This is our fifth session now on Ephesians 2, 14 to 18, and we're going to spend it on this unit right here, and then probably one more session on that amazing phrase right there. But let me put it in context again. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made both Jew and Gentile, all the ethnic groups in the world who believe in Jesus, made us all one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall, the hostility, both vertically and horizontally, abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new person, seeing all of those diversities in one corporate person, namely Jesus Christ and his body, the church. One new person in place of two making peace and might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, having killed the hostility by it. Now, the question is, what is he referring to here? He came. Jesus. This is almost certainly referring to Jesus. He himself is our peace, and now he's going to say this. He came, probably referring to coming to earth as the Son of God, incarnate as Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. He came, and he preached good news, peace, to you who were far off and to those who were near. So, if I'm right, and this is referring to Jesus' first coming, why does he end the paragraph like this? I mean, this is the accomplishment of Christ through his cross. So the cross has already happened here, in his flesh, shredded here. So here he seems to be going backward and picking up on why the incarnate Christ came. And I'm going to suggest that this is not um, an afterthought, which is anachronistic, out of chronological order, but rather he steps back and he makes a summary general statement about the coming of Christ coming to a crescendo in these words right here. So he steps back and he says, now having said all that, let me say this summary word about the coming of Jesus. He came and he was a preacher of peace. Peace to those who are far off, peace to those near. And he did it with this content, this essential purpose and content that through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So he's summing up, as it were, the great outcome of the coming of Christ, which reaches its crescendo in access to the Father. Now, I'll get there in just a minute, but let me pray just a brief prayer and then back up and say another word before we come to that crescendo. Father, we are so thankful that you sent Jesus as an emissary of peace with you and with each other so that we no longer have to approach you as a God of frowning fury and wrath, but can come to you with bold access 
because of Christ in the Spirit and find you to be a loving, caring, providing, satisfying Father. What a privilege. What a gift. What a salvation. Help us to see it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a question. When he came, did he preach to Gentiles? If you've read the Gospels, you know Jesus restricted his preaching almost entirely to Jewish people, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So what does he mean when he says he came and he preached good news both to you who were far off and to those Jewish people who were near. And I have two responses to that. Even if this preaching of good news was primarily to those who were near, the Jewish people, giving them an opportunity to repent and receive their Messiah, nevertheless, he knew it, and we've seen it happen, that when it was all said and done, that preaching spills over the banks and has been spreading, spreading throughout the whole world as a message to those who are far off. So he may not have focused on those who were far off while he was on the earth, but he was preaching in such a way that that very preaching would be to those who are far off when the New Testament was written and the gospel spreads. That's one response. Another is to suggest that the word two here might be four, because it's a dative in Greek, and a dative can be to or with or for. So it might be he's preaching good news, peace for those who are far off and peace for those who are near. And really, when you stop and think about it, those amount to virtually the same thing. Here's another observation that we should not let pass. Probably Paul has in his mind a text like this from Isaiah. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. So God is angry at his people, pictured as a person. I was angry, struck him. I hid my face and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. Now you'd think, okay, I'm done with him. That, that's just not the deepest nature of God. He says, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. Oh my, God is going to look on a a, a people who continue, he went on backsliding. And you would think, well, that's the end of them. I mean, if you go on backsliding after God has warned you and done things to draw you back, then you're just sealing your own fate. And God says, no, actually, I'm going to heal him. In other words, I'm going to cure him of his backsliding. I will lead him. I will restore comfort to him and his mourners creating the fruit of lips. He's going to create praise in their lips. And then this summary of the message, peace, peace to the far and to the near. So you can't help but think that in Paul's mind, this peace to the far and peace to the near, I will heal him, is behind. He came and he preached peace to the far and peace to the near. So in other words, this is glorious, not only because it's true and really happened, but because it was planned centuries before. This is the fulfillment of God's design. This is what he's doing, and he's including 
Gentiles in those who are far off. And here's one more observation before we end on this crescendo of the fatherhood of God. Here's John 20. I'm going here because I want to look into Jesus' ministry and see if he did speak peace, spirit, father. Jesus said to them near the end of his earthly life, peace be with you. And elsewhere he had said, my peace I give to you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. So I'm sending you in peace from the Father. He sent me with peace for you. I'm sending you with peace for the world. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So you have peace, Father, Holy Spirit. So perhaps we don't know for sure. Paul was aware of those kinds of detailed teachings from the Gospel of John, and he saw Jesus as a preacher of good news, namely peace to the far off, peace to the near, and that peace would be in the Spirit and in access to the Father, who is the one who ultimately sends us now. Let me just end by striking this crescendo note. In other words, what I'm saying is that Paul goes back and he picks up the incarnation here. He came in order to strike the note of this content of his preaching and this purpose for coming. In order that through him, just like we have seen through the cross, And in his flesh, through him, through his death on the cross, through his torn flesh, we both have access. Now notice, this is so important for all of us individualists. Together, he didn't have to say both here. He could have said we have access or You have access or I have access. He says, we both have access in one spirit, drawing attention to the fact that if any of us is going to go to God, going to claim our access to God, we're going to go together or we're not going to go at all. What I mean by that is this. If in your heart you are saying, I'm going to God, those other people who are in Christ or through him, if they want to go, they can go, but I'm not going with them because I don't like them. You're probably not going to get access. And that's a strong thing to say. But what's the point of saying both here? We both have access. If you say to someone who is in Christ, who's, for whom Christ is their peace, You can't go with me. I'm going by myself. It's me and God, not us and God. You just don't see this truth, and it is a glorious truth. And the access we have is to the Father, a Father. And that has crescendo significance here for two reasons. One is, do you remember back in chapter 2, verse 12, 
we were separated from the Christ, we Gentiles. We were cut off from the commonwealth of Israel. We didn't have any covenants of promise. Therefore, we had no hope. And therefore, we were without God. And since that's the crescendo of the bad news, it is the crescendo of the good news. We don't just have God. We have access to God. Indeed, get this in chapter 3, verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. It's a bold access. It's a confident access. It is a glorious access because he's our father. We don't meet him as the chapter 2, verse 3, God of wrath, because he had planned. Do you remember? Chapter 1, verse 5, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. He planned this adoption. He wanted us for himself. We are his children now. It does happen through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And oh, he will get all the praise for it. So the crescendo here is that we have first God. We're not cut off from God anymore, we Gentiles. Through him, we are together with the people of God. We have access, and not only God, but he is, by his own predestining design, our loving, kind, all-supplying, all-satisfying Father. This is really good news. And I want to spend an entire session on this happens in and by one spirit next time.